أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله تبارك وتعالى وسلم على سيدنا محمد سيدنا وسندنا وحبيبنا وشفيعنا ومولانا صلى الله عليه وعلى آله وأصحابه وأزواجه وذرياته وأهل بيته ومن تبعهم بإحسان إلى يوم الدين وبعد الحمد لله we reached this Mubarak 12th night of Ramadan uh, the days are slipping past. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us tawfiq. Allah ta'ala make us from the utaqa of this night. Those who it's written for them that they will be delivered from the punishment of the hellfire. Amin. By Allah ta'ala's father, we heard in these uh, late night majalis this year and in years past as well about the stories and struggles of many of the great mashayikh, ulama, leaders, soldiers, scholars, warriors, and different people who made love of Allah and His Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa the goal of their life and who passed their days and nights um, in the remembrance of Allah Ta'ala uh, and in sacrifice in order to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I wanted to uh, talk tonight about what does that mean for us because we're not the ummah that watches history uh, like other people watch things on Netflix because it's Ramadan so you can't watch Star Wars, or you can't watch Lord of the Rings or Harry Potter or God knows what. Um, at least you shouldn't be. You shouldn't be wasting your Ramadan on those things. Um, but just because you shouldn't be wasting your Ramadan on those things, okay, let's like listen to some Oliya stories and uh, then feel good about ourselves and go back to sleep. Go back to our segmented lives. Go back to our separated and cloistered lives. Our lives which we have comfortably insulated from the rest of the Ummah, that we have insulated from the Nadar of the Mashaykh and the Ulama. Uh, that we have comfortably even insulated nowadays from the glances of our elders and our parents, from the glances of our uh, companions and our peers, from the glances of our children, from really anybody, uh, so that we can be what seems to us alone, even though you're never alone when it comes to Allah Ta'ala. This is like two sides of a coin. At the same time, it's a very scary thought. At the same time, it's a very inspiring thought. At the same time, it's a thought that might debilitate a person with the burden that it carries. But at the same time, Allah Ta'ala being with you wherever you are is perhaps one of the most hopeful and one of the most joyous and one of the most encouraging things that a person can think of. The difference between the person who sees it as a burden versus the person who uh, sees it as a joy is the difference between the one who loves Allah Ta'ala and the one who doesn't know Allah Ta'ala's love. Don't get me wrong, the one who f knows Allah Ta'ala fears him. But the fear of Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala in and of itself is an appreciation of the power and the might of the Lord. That if you cross him, it's not going to be a good end for you. But why would anyone ever want to cross Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Kataba ala nafsihi rahma. 
إن الله يغفر الذنوب جميعا إنه هو الغفور الرحيم the one who ordained for himself mercy the one who forgives all sins the one who is always forgiving and always merciful uh, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala being with you what does it mean? it means that when Banu Israel who Allah ta'ala himself mentions that nobody believed in Musa salam except for a small group of people from his qawm and even that mostly because of their fear of Pharaoh that those people when they saw to their front the sea and behind them the hosts of Pharaoh uh, coming for them uh, they said inna lamudrakun and what did Sayyidina Musa alayhi salam say? It's one of the most beautiful and one of the most powerful and touching. Um, really simple and straightforward to the point expressions in the Quran. And the entire Quran is beautiful. He says, Kalla inna ma'ya rabbi sayahdeen. That no, indeed with me is my Lord. And he'll show me a way. He'll show me a way. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala literally separated the seas. Uh, for him and for his people that every single one of them was saved not one of them was harmed by Fir'aun and uh, the entire host of Fir'aun uh, all of them were uh, drowned in the water and that's the end of their story at least in this world so we see that the ma'iyah of Allah Ta'ala Allah Ta'ala being with you wherever you are this is a really like it's a good thing, it's a thing that should give you happiness, it should give you joy, it should give you promise, it should be the thing that brings you comfort every single day of your life, and importantly, on the day that your money won't be able to bring you comfort. You could be a billionaire, trillionaire. The day your disease cannot be cured, your money's not going to give you any comfort, and that day is coming for every single one of us. You know, people tell me, oh look, it's bad, they see genes, we have diabetes, and we have... Uh, you know, heart condition and this and that. What do you think? Chinese people don't die. White people don't die. Black people don't die. Everyone dies. This is the condition of being muhdath, being created. The sun will die one day. The stars will die one day. They have abnormally long lifetimes, lifespans. The entire universe is going to die one day. What do you think? Other people don't die. By the day that the day that your sickness that has no cure comes to you what do you think money is going to give you any comfort the day that your beloved separates from you do you think money is going to give you comfort do you think if you have the olympic world record that you're the fastest hundred meter sprinter that your health or your physical body is going to give you comfort that day the day your beloved tells you i don't love you anymore or the day that your beloved tells you i'll love you forever and their eyes close and they never open again you never see them again there is a day where every single comfort will fail you, the comfort and the love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that you feel when you realize that Allah ta'ala is with you, that's never going to fail you. It's never going to fail you in this world while you're well and while you're sick, while you're dying and while you're living, while you're in a state of tribulation and when you're in a uh, state free of any uh, 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 bad effect. When you're in the grave, before your judgment, during your judgment, after your judgment, Allah Ta'ala's ma'iyah with you is uh, something to be happy about. But look, the issue is this, is that 
if you want to accept it inside of your heart properly, you have to accept it wholesale. Allah Ta'ala has no sharik. Like we mentioned from before, not only is Tawheed that we should say that we worship nobody except for Allah, meaning there's no God for us except for Allah, it also means that we ourselves are Tawheed for Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala, that we are nobody else's, we don't belong to anybody else's. We don't belong to the job, don't belong to our family, don't belong to our country, don't belong to our relatives, don't belong to our money, don't belong to our club, don't belong to our whatever stupid political party, don't belong to any of those things. What do we belong to? Who do we belong to? We belong to Allah Ta'ala. We don't belong to our tariqah or our madhab. All of those things are what, if they're understood properly, they're also instruments by which we can make our Allah Ta'ala happy with us. And if they themselves become an end, they themselves uh, become one of the stupidest ends possible. A person can enjoy themselves if they're going to waste their life doing something for someone other than Allah Ta'ala. There are a lot more enjoyable ways of doing it. The point is, is that we're supposed to be for Allah Ta'ala alone and without any partner. And in order to walk that path, it's like m more complicated than just listening to MP3s. It's more complicated than just saying, oh, look, this masjid is so beautiful. I feel so spiritual when I'm here, when I'm here because the tiles are so nice and the dome is so beautiful. And like, this is a building I can say that I'm, a pr I'm proud to be a Muslim inside. It's more important than being able to say to a non-Muslim, hey, you know, like, you know, Muslims invented like this thing in astronomy and invented this thing in physics or chemistry or whatever and uh, this and that. It's more, it's more than just any of those things. It's more than being able to say, well, I'm from this country or I'm from that country. It's more than saying the Arabic language is so beautiful or Ramadan is so wonderful or, you know, the Hajj is like this or like that. It's more than any of those things. If you want to make it more than those things in your life, you have to actually arrange your life in a way that's compatible with that. And mashallah, mashallah. So many of us have such a nice sibha and make our dhikr, or we're even more pious than that. We make our uh, adhkar on our fingers. And so many of us have a madhab, and so many of us have spent time and bothered to learn something. So many of us have, you know, made good friends and checked the right boxes when it comes to our affiliations in fiqh and in aqidah and in tasawwuf and in God knows what. So many of us have done all of these things, mashallah. But still we haven't taken the steps to what? To practically live such a life that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is with us whenever we are and wherever we are, that we live our life for Him at all times. So many of us still have, like the Yahud and the Nasara have one day a week, which is their sacred day. So many of us have a time that we uh, are Muslims in a time where we shut Muslim off and we do God knows what, other, uh, what else other things. So many of us have a place that we retreat to when we're tired of being a Muslim, when we're tired of being only for the sake of Allah Ta'ala because it's a burden for us. We have a place we can retreat to where that doesn't uh, exist. It doesn't bother us anymore. We can rest, relax, recharge. And then later on, we'll go out and be pious again. But this is not really the way it's supposed to work. This is one of the reasons actual tasawwuf versus storybook tasawwuf or like groupie tasawwuf or like social friends make friends and uh, influence people type of tasawwuf. Why they're all so different. Because the real walking on the path of path to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it involves uh, 
something that is such a burden that it destroys you, it crushes you, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it's related that, that, that you'll find Allah ta'ala where you find the brokenhearted. Why? Because just like Allah ta'ala said in his book, uh, quoting uh, uh, the Queen Bilqis of Saba, the Queen of Sheba, إِنَّ الْمُلُوكَ إِذَا دَخَلُوا فِي قَرْيَةٍ أَفْسَدُوهَا وَجَعَلُوا عَعِزَّةَ أَهْلِهَا أَذِلَّةٍ That the kings, you know, their custom, the, their habit is what? When they enter into a, a, a place with an army, if there's an invasion, what do they do? They uh, make entire mischief out of that place and they make the most honored of the people of that place, they try to humiliate them the most. Look what's happening, look, look what happened. All of these countries, uh, mashallah, in the Muslim world, uh, great metropoli were trashed in front of our eyes. Nobody seems to think about it, nobody seems to care. Okay, look, even Ukraine, it's happening to them. We feel bad for every human being who suffers, especially those who suffer uh, uh, from being innocent. So just because when it was our turn to get trashed, nobody uh, gave any sympathy, it doesn't mean that we've become dead-hearted uh, that look you know these are also there are innocent people who are just trying to pay their bills and get through life um, who really don't have any uh, uh, horse in the race you see their homes are being destroyed you see family members are being separated sometimes even killed uh, and, and whatnot it breaks your heart you know it makes you feel it makes you feel bad what happens is that when an invasion happens from one place to the other whatever side you're on if you believe in it or think it's a conspiracy or agree with this country or agree with that news station or whatever at, at, at any rate the objective of an invasion is what it it ends up carrying out facade mischief in a place it completely disrupts any uh, type of system over there and it takes those those people and those places and those things, those symbols and those um, functions of society that are the most important, and it targets them. It hacks them to pieces. It destroys them. And, and uh, this is this is the way this is the way these things work. That Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. What do you think then? What do you think if this piece of wisdom is mentioned in the Quran? Uh, then Allah Ta'ala who is the Malikul Muluk it's one of Al-Malik is one of Allah Ta'ala's name is, is Al-Malikul Haq he's the true king he's the king of kings the embodiment of kingship is only there in Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala truly that if Allah Ta'ala enters into your heart what happens all of your other plans all of your other worries all of your other ideas all of your other dreams all of them are going to get trashed and the more, the more precious that plan was, the more precious that dream was inside of your heart, the, heart, the more hard it's going to have to fall. If you want to carry Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's love and his dhikr inside of your heart, this is what you have to do. Easy for Hamza to say, hard for Hamza to do. It's easy for all of us to say, it's hard for all of us to do. But this is the work of our life. This is the point that we're here. The point of Ramadan is... You know, the point of Islam and the point of Ramadan and the point of all of these things. It's not so that you can eat samosas and pakoras once a year. So that you can, you know, call your local congressperson and have a photo op with them. That's not the point of all of this. You can eat all of those fried foods any day of the year you want to. And there are other more efficacious ways of connecting with your local uh, branches of government. In fact, one of the interesting things with all of 
you know, these things that have to do with deen is that oftentimes the people who flock to the masjid, oftentimes the people who are trying to get involved with like Muslim political things, it's, they're losers that have no other way of, uh, you know, mustering any sort of constituency because if they walked into a normal Democratic or Republican Party um, meeting, they have no status, they have no say, they have no clout, they have no economic clout, they have no political clout, they have no social clout, they have no intellectual clout. So, okay, look at all these other, uh, you know, people in the, who just come to the masjid in order to worship Allah Ta'ala because they all gather in one place. If I can hang out here long enough and like win an election, now I have a reason that, you know, Senator Bob or Don or Bill or whatever, uh, uh, you know, Smith or XYZ uh, congressperson or mayor or, or council person, councilwoman, whatever pronouns they may use or may not use that now they have to pay attention to me for 15 minutes and I feel important about myself. Bhai, that's not the reason for any of these things. That's not the reason for any of these things. If this is the stuff that you live for, oh, look, the first Muslim, you know, uh, Congress, uh, you know, person, the first Muslim this, the first Muslim that, if that's the reason that you live, that's not, I mean, that's like a really fail reason to be connected with the deen. Alhamdulillah, mashallah, Muslim got elected to Congress. I'm not against that. I don't think it's a bad thing or that it shouldn't happen, nor do I hold my hand back in support of those people who, you know, who that's happened for as long as, as long as they're there to work for the deen. But as an identity, it's complete, it's a complete waste of time. There are other ways to do things in the dunya that are more efficacious and there's only one way to do things in the deen in which uh, you're going to get uh, benefit and dancing at the gay pride parade is not one of them. I'm sorry, you know, if that's what, you, you know, if that's what makes people feel bad or whatever, but I know there are people who will, you know, go to these events even in Ramadan in order to promote Muslim politicians and think that this is what they're doing for Islam. This is not what they're doing for Islam. What, you're, what you do for Islam is first what you do for yourself, which is what? vacate from inside the heart all of these things other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala all of these hopes and all of these dreams other than Allah ta'ala and that only will happen by what by learning something about the deen because there are a hundred people who have in their imagination that this is what Allah wants this is who the prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam is well if the prophet sallallahu was alive he would xyz how do you know you don't know any of those things until you sit and read the books of hadith you don't know any of those things until you sit and read the Qur'an, tafsir, you read the books of the Sharia. That's how you understand those things. Once you understand those things, then the heart becomes conformant. Even then, a person may read and understand all of those things, but even then, they still may not have let go of the, the other dreams that they have inside of their heart. And at this point, there are two ways to be rectified. One is uh, from your own ikhtiyar, from your own choice, that you put in that hard work of making mujahada against your own self. You keep telling yourself, this is not what I want. What I want is my Rabb to be pleased with me. What I want is my Allah to be pleased with me. What I want is Allah Ta'ala to accept me. What I want is that that same Allah Ta'ala that I call upon and I say, La ilaha illallahu. And the one who I say, La ilaha illa anta subhanaka inni kuntu min al-zalimeen. That that Allah Ta'ala who I call on his name, every day so many times in, in all of my salat and in all of my dhikr that, that what I want is also for him to say that this slave, this slave is mine. Just like we say to Allah Ta'ala that this Allah is mine. That's one path. And that's the superior path. The second path is what sometimes some people, they kind of make half, they muster kind of half of an effort. 
Or maybe one of their forefathers was a pious person who said, Ya Allah, you know, make my progeny into awliya. And so what will happen is Allah Ta'ala will turn their lives upside down by one thing after another, after another, after another, until they become completely hapless and completely witless, completely, uh, 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 completely without any uh, resort to anything other than Allah Ta'ala. Completely confounded, they have no idea what they're going to do in life. And oftentimes this becomes very painful. People will lose basic physical faculties. People will lose the ones that they love in their life. People will lose their, their dignity. People will lose their honor. They will lose their means of, uh, uh, of livelihood. They will lose their family members and their near and dear ones. Um, they'll lose every single thing that it takes for them to break. And then to turn to Allah Ta'ala and say, Ya Allah, I have nobody but you. And those people are very fortunate and blessed people. If you meet people like that, you should ask them to make dua for you. Because the place Allah Ta'ala took them, despite their lack of planning, that place is a place He only takes the ones that He loves. But it should be obvious to people that this is not the way of the Rasul Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and it's not the way of the companions Radiallahu Ta'ala Anhum. Rather, they took on the Mujahadat and they took on these struggles in order to purge the heart of Allah other than Allah Ta'ala voluntarily and on their own and that's why they denied themselves what their desires were uh, in terms of their food, in terms of their drink, in terms of other things. This is why they denied themselves uh, their, their desires in terms of luxury. This is why Sayyidina Umar was still taking Qaylula inside the masjid uh, despite being Khalifa that uh, I remember hearing Ustadji uh, Mawana Hassan, he gave a, he gave a talk um, in which he was describing the simplicity of, of the deen and the simplicity of the Sahaba radiallahu anhum, uh, in which he said that uh, two ambassadors and emissaries from the Persian emperor came to Medina Munawwara to see what's going on. And when they got to, uh, uh, when they got to Medina Munawwara, they asked, where is the palace of the Khalifa? And it was Ustadji's Majlis, mashallah, those people are, you know, they're people who have a love of the, the way of the Darawish and the love of the way of the Fuqara and of those mendicants, those people who kind of give up the, the, the life of this world for the sake of the Akhirah. Even though every person in the Majlis isn't perfect, but in general they love those people who take that path and who tread it well. So you can hear in the recording a laugh. How ludicrous is it to ask where is the palace of the Khalifa when Sayyidina Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu is the Khalifa? That he's the one that these emissaries were looking for him and the people said he's either in the masjid, if he's not in the masjid then go to such and such place outside of the city. Um, he takes the livestock from the Baytul Mal, from the government treasury. He takes the livestock out to graze uh, in such and such place. So you might find him over there. So he found him, mashallah, and the livestock was grazing and he was, uh, you know, he was enjoying his qaylula, his midday nap, um, sleeping in the dirt. These are those people who Allah Ta'ala's madad comes down for. This is the whole purpose Allah Ta'ala created you and me. This is the whole purpose Allah Ta'ala created you and, you and me is so that we can taste the glory of that state, so that we can taste the honor and the nobility of that state, so that we can be colored in the 
beauty of the dye of that state. Such a dye that no matter how many times life washes us, that color doesn't run, it doesn't go away. Allah Ta'ala says in, a, in his book, in a very powerful ayah in the Surah At-Tawbah. Surah At-Tawbah, Surah At-Tawbah, mashallah, which surah is that? That's the surah that doesn't be, begin with Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. It's the only surah by the consensus of the Qur'a, Fuqaha. It doesn't begin with Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. You just start reading it. And that surah has in it uh, a number of very harsh realities. Even those, there's a mercy in them, however. But it's not going to be, uh, you know, mollycoddling. It's not going to be uh, self-esteem where everybody goes home with a participation award. It's not going to be like that. I mean, in some sense, you can say, yeah, everybody does go home with a participation award. Not everyone, just those who participate. You have to do something. The Surah At-Tawbah pushes and gives the examples of those who do things and who Allah Ta'ala sends His help and those who sacrifice and who Allah accepts from. And it also gives examples of those who didn't try, those who wasted their opportunities until it was too late and they destroyed themselves and they became an example for mankind of what not to do and how not to be. He says, Jalla wa'ala in his book, he says, قُلِنْ كَانَ آبَاؤُكُمْ وَأَبْنَاؤُكُمْ وَإِخْوَانُكُمْ وَأَزْوَاجُكُمْ وَعَشِيرَتُكُمْ وَأَمْوَالٌ اِقْتَرَفْتُمُوهَا وَتِجَارَةٌ تَخْشَوْنَ كَسَادَهَا وَمَسَاكِنَ تَرْضَوْنَهَا أَحَبَّ إِلَيْكُمْ مِنَ اللَّهِ وَرَسُولِهِ وَجِهَادٍ فِي سَبِيلِهِ فَتَرَبَّسُوا حَتَّى if your fathers and your progeny, if your parents and your progeny and your uh, brothers, your siblings and your spouses, your wives and your husbands and your families, your extended families, your tribes and that money which you earned and that business that you're afraid uh, will be wasted, that it, it, those deals that won't get done. If all of these are more beloved to you than Allah and His Messenger and then struggling in His path, then wait until Allah Ta'ala brings His command. Uh, and indeed, Allah Ta'ala does not guide uh, the qawm of uh, fasiqeen, the qawm of profligates, the, the, the people of profligacy, the people who commit sin without shame. This is a very powerful statement. This is a very powerful statement. And we also have to think about this, that, okay, fine, it's good. You're like, you, you guys are already like 90, 97th percentile pious to the level of pietitis because you're listening to late night majlis uh, on the night of Ramadan. You're probably already praying your taraweeh. You're probably already doing so many great and wonderful things. But what's the point? We have to keep struggling to eliminate those spaces in our life in which we absent ourselves from being with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Whether it be the domicile that we live in, those domiciles that are far from the masjid and that are far from any other Muslim, that we don't have Muslim neighbors, that we don't have Muslim friends, we don't, that we cloister ourselves from them. We have to look, we have to eliminate, pull those bubbles out uh, uh, in, our, uh, in our deen. Like, you know, when you put a screen protector on a phone, there's a bubble. What does it do? It obscures the, the image below. So you have to take a, a, you know, in the old days when they had the plastic film ones, you could take a, a credit card and like push that bubble out so that it sticks. That where is the bubble? Where is the bubble in our money? Where are we putting our money in places that are haram? 
Our money is stuck in banks. Our money is stuck in um, doubtful uh, transactions. Our money is being spent on stupid things, paying for companies that neither love Allah or His Rasul Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, being pumped through Amazon in order to go to China uh, to buy those things that are built with the slave labor from our brothers and sisters. Our money, what is it being spent on? We got to push those bubbles out that are there inside of our money. We got to push those bubbles out with what goes into our ears and what goes into our eyes. We got to push those bubbles out with what goes into our stomachs. And then, and then you have the ability to say that I'm what? I'm a person who is completely self-centered. I'm a person who's completely self-centered that I've done for myself what my deen is and I don't care for anybody else in the world. There's an entire journey after that. You have to rectify yourself and you also then have to worry about what is my neighbor going to do? You have to worry about what is my brother and sister going to do? What are my parents going to do? What are my children going to do? That the way the demographic shifts in the world are going in just a couple of decades, maybe one out of four people in the world will be Muslim. Maybe one out of three people in the world are going to be Muslim because everybody else drank shaitan's Kool-Aid and completely annihilated their own nasl, their own progeny. Muslims are the only ones uh, that, are, uh, that are still you know, having children and eating meat and doing those kind of weird, the simple fitri things that, that normal people do and that they like doing and that they enjoy doing. Well, who's going who's gonna to feed them? Who's going to feed them halal? Who's going to teach them alif, ba, ta, tha? Who's going to teach them surat al-fatiha? This whole COVID occurred and already we see the masajid are cut off from people and I see people are irritated. This idea of like coming together, it's still like difficult for people. That people still, their dispositions haven't recovered from, from what happened. All of these things are going to require struggle and sacrifice. If we're going to be those people who look, I eat the right halal and I wear the best clothes and I wear the best perfume and I, you know, my money is in the halalist uh, account and my, you know, politics are the halalist uh, of politics and my this is great and my that's great. That we have all of those things uh, uh, lined up, but we're not contributing to making any of those things happen. We're just a consumer. We're just an end-level consumer. We don't worry about how is it that these systems work. How can I contribute to these systems? How can I myself put some skin in the game, put my neck on the line? Be not just the person who eats and drinks from the fruits of these things, but be the one who goes out and feeds people. Whether it be literally feeding people food, or whether it be... coordinating and helping and giving money to those people who are working in the halal industry. I put the uh, fundraiser for Hafsa the other day, you know, how many people uh, enjoy eating uh, hand-slaughtered meat and then afterward they turn a blind, they turn a blind eye to supporting the, the effort. Why? Because it's not as emotional. It's more of a rational pitch. It's not as emotional of a pitch as maybe someone who comes to the masjid and says, oh, you know, if you build this, then Allah will build you a house in Jannah. And if you, uh, you know, feed this one orphan, then you're going to go to... Of course, those things are all important. Those things are all good. But the point is, is that in order to look to a tomorrow that actually will not be a catastrophe, we need to make these things sustainable. We cannot just give based on emotional pitches. We need to sit down and we need to think about what needs to happen 
We need to sit with like-minded people. We need to devise a strategy. How are we going to make it happen? You do this, you do that. You know, the billionaire has to pay this much. The millionaire has to pay this much. The person who has $100,000 in the bank has to pay this much. The person who has $10,000 in the bank or $1,000 in the bank in a large family, maybe they're not going to pay with their money. Maybe they're going to do some other work in order to make it happen. But we need to get together with like-minded people and figure out how these things are going to work. And the cornerstone of all of this is what? Is that we need to live together. We need to be able to live a life where when you open your front door, your gaze falls on the masjid and the masjid see, from your masjid your house can be seen. That your gaze falls upon another Muslim and another Muslim's gaze falls upon you. Do you know how many, how many society, societal ills are solved just by being in a place where you know people and they know you? And do you know how many sick diseases of society are possible just by being in a place where you don't know anybody and nobody knows you? Those things are really uncomfortable and they're difficult and sometimes they're going to cost even more than something more luxurious and something that's more easy. Those are the decisions we're going to have to do if we want to live in a society and in a civilization, in a community that is based on La ilaha illallah. And that's what this ayah uh, that we read is calling us to. It's to struggle in the path of Allah Ta'ala in order to make the world a better place. And again, if your parents, if your progeny, if your spouses, if your you know, fraternity and your uh, siblings, if your tribe, if the money you earned, if the uh, business that you uh, wish to execute, all of them are more beloved to you than Allah uh, and His Rasul and struggling in His way, then wait, see what's, what, the, what the hukum of Allah Ta'ala is going to be. If that's the case, if you like hearing about the, the ulama and you like hearing about the awliya and you like hearing about the Ottoman Empire and you like hearing about the Khulafa Rashidun and you like hearing about all these things, but you don't want to put skin in the game yourself, then Allah Ta'ala describes such people also in Surah uh, Ali Imran as what? As yuhibbuna and yuhmadu bima'lam yaf'alu as those people who love to be praised for those things that they don't, they never, they didn't do themselves, they don't do themselves. That you want to be associated with this Islam, which is this like super beautiful thing, but you yourself, you don't want to actually do it. That's not, that's not cool. That's not cool to be like so like unapologetically Muslim or whatever the hell it's supposed to mean. Like, you know, you're so like excited about Islam, but you're excited about it just to the point of talking about it and exchanging stories, just to the point of some sort of like, communal identity, um, you know, that, that subs in for race, but you're not actually excited about doing it. You're not excited about actually like praying. You're not excited about actually making dhikr. The idea of reading the Quran like kind of turns you off inside. So, oh, brother, this is dry, go easy on people. It's, you know, uh, don't be hard on people and this the end of time and it's like this and it's like that. All of those things, some of them may actually you know, be, be actually legitimate statements uh, of the fuqaha or of the ulama or even of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. But so often, it's kalimatu haqqin urida biha batil, that uh, a word of truth that's being used to mask a, 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 a very destructive type of falsehood, which is what? Firar, just like running away from, from those things that a believer uh, should, should love. And the thing is that, look, you know, if you're not a type of person, who, not the type of person who loves to recite the Quran, force yourself to recite the Quran, uh, you know, for a hundred hours and then see, you know, how does it change? 
How does the feeling of reciting the Quran change for you versus what, what, you know, what it felt from before? If you're the type of person who doesn't enjoy, uh, uh, you know, nafil prayers, you know, force yourself to pray. Go, go pray with those who enjoy the prayer. Force yourself to pray for a hundred hours, however many raka'at that you get out of it. See, do you feel the same way when you're accustomed with it or not? Once you become accustomed to the salat, once you become accustomed to the dhikr, once you become accustomed to the recitation of the Qur'an, once you become accustomed to giving, once you become accustomed to forgiving other people, once you become accustomed to hearing crap from people while you're serving the deen and going on knowing that you do it for the sake of Allah, not for their sake, once you become accustomed to these things, you'll then know what does it mean actually to be a Muslim. You'll know what it is that you're supposed to be loving. Otherwise, before, it's all a fairy tale. You know, people like, you know, like, okay, fine. If you're into football, then you watch Rudy and this is your spiritual experience. And if you're into Islam, just like hear some Oliya stories and that's like what, you know, what drives you. Like, you know, we'll, we'll hear a nice story from a, from a good storyteller. Maybe he'll bring some embellishment and they'll compete with one another in order to find the more uh, bizarre and, and, and rosy-worded, far-flung uh, fabrications about Allah and His Rasul Sallallahu and about the Mashaykh and the Ulama and the Awliya just in order to, you know, pump you a little bit more. It's kind of like, you know, you've been smoking weed for some time now and it just doesn't do it for you. So let's, uh, you know, jump into cocaine or into heroin or something like that just so you can get that next high. That's ridiculous. That's not, that's not the point of the deen in the first place. It really isn't. That let's, let's, what's the next nasheed? I love listening to nasheed. But if you're doing it in order to, you know, because the actual deen is like, quote unquote, dry. People say this is it's so dry, you know, it's so dry. If you're doing it in order to, uh, because you find like the, what the actual deen is to be dry, then that's really problematic. If you listen to Nasheed because the words move you, because when the Prophet ﷺ is praised, you already love his sunnah so much that it moves you. When Allah is praised, you already love Allah Ta'ala so much that it moves you. When the, uh, uh, you know, calling to that which is right and, and, and upright and, and, and praiseworthy conduct is, uh, is mentioned, it moves you because you already have a love for those things. Then there's great khayr in them. But if it's just like, oh, look, it sounds beautiful and like, you know, everything else is just dry for me. That's a problem. It doesn't mean that you're a kafir or even a munafiq or whatever. It just means that this is a problem. You have your work cut out for you. You got to like do something in order to change it. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us all tawfiq, you know, in many ways, this, uh, tonight's majlis is just me ragging on myself for those things that I, I, I know I need to work on. All of us need to work on it. It's a long road, but it's a road that we all know it's, 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 it's worth taking. And more than that, it's necessary to take because if we don't take it, you know, we're going to have, we're going to have a lot of problems. So, uh, you know, I extend my hand out that uh, if you want, inshallah, let's take it together. Uh, let's go on this road together. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala help us to uh, carry each other uh, and to help each other and to support one another and to encourage one another on that road and to give each other advice should we falter uh, on that path. Wa sallallahu ta'ala ala rasulihi sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Allahumma rabbi wafiq. Uh, ya Allah, give us tawfiq. Ya Allah, be pleased with us. Ya Allah, ta'ala, accept us. Ya Allah, make us from amongst those that you also say to them that this slave is mine just like we say to you that this Lord is ours. Sallallahu ta'ala rasulihi Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.